0: Hello. We at Grace Covenant Church in Gunnison, Colorado are grateful and humbled that we get to be part of your sanctification today. We invite you to review our sermons online, but also stress the importance of being joined to a biblical local church, the life of the church, and the spiritual gifts God has given us to express in the church. Our website is www.gracegunnison.com. There you can find sermons and other resources, as well as our location and service times. The members of Grace Covenant Church Gunnison pray that the following messages will be a blessing to you. We are continuing the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, if you'd like to turn there to chapter 8. Last week, we looked from at verses 5 through 13, as we looked at the centurion coming to Jesus, about his servant. was paralyzed and in pain remember this is right after Jesus' greatest sermon he gives us this greatest sermon and now he gives us these remarkable and miraculous works numerous miracles in fact we see a series of three by three we'll see three miracles then we'll see a discourse by Matthew then we'll see three more and another discourse and then we'll see three more Throughout chapters eight and nine. When we think about a miracle, we I guess we must ask: well, what is a miracle? Well, a miracle is a sign, it's a wonder, it's a power from on high. Miracle is a sign by God pointing to something of Himself, something of His redemptive plan. It's a sign that reveals a divine truth. Here's a definition that I came across that I thought was very helpful for a miracle. A miracle is a direct act of God in which He works outside the common course of events to reveal Himself, authenticate His own servants, and manifest His nature and redemptive purposes. It's an amazing event that fulfills God's Word. So a question to consider... for you as you listen this morning is what is the purpose of these miracles here before us be thinking on that as we look into this text viewing the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John we see that Christ's kingdom comes not only in truth in word but with power we see Christ's words are confirmed by his very works that he does he's demonstrating who he is As we've seen time and time again in Matthew, he is communicating to us through the Holy Spirit that this is the Son of God. This is the Messiah. Men see during this time, people, men and women see, and we read of these miracles brought forth by Jesus that we might see the power of God upon him and witness his divine authority. His divine power and also his compassion. I want us to think of those things, and that is our title of our message Power, Authority, and Compassion of Jesus. His power demonstrated. His compassion seen to vile and sick sinners. I pray we all see that we all fit the category of these six sinners that have come before Jesus his power is demonstrated to us in the time he was here but i tell you that it's demonstrated even now through the power of the preaching of the word of god through the power of the preaching of, of the gospel of jesus christ the words the words of jesus christ are spirit and life and there's power in them when the, when, whether I or whether you proclaim the message of the Word of God, there is power that goes forth. So let us hear these words written by the Spirit of Christ. I'm going to read chapter 8. I'm going to, I'm going to miss verses 5 through 13 because that's where we were last week. So I want to read verse four, 1 through 4 and then I'll pick up again in 14 through 17. Hear the words of the of the hear the word of the Lord. When Jesus came from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, "Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean." Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, "I am willing. Be cleansed." And immediately His leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go, show yourself to the priests and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Verse 14. When Jesus came into Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and waited on him. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were ill. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Amen. Thus ends the reading of the word. This morning. Miracles. Accompanied the ministry of the Messiah. Numerous miracles. More than could be recorded. But the Lord recorded these for us. Miracles not only accompanied. His, His physical ministry on the earth. But they accompanied the work of Christ. Through the Holy Spirit. Through his apostles. We look at the book of Acts. And we see many more miracles done through the Lord. During this time of when the the time that the Gospels are speaking of and the time where the Acts are speaking of they did not have the full Scriptures as we do. They had the Old Testament. The New Testament, the Gospels were written some 20-30 years later after Jesus' ministry. And then the The Acts and the Epistles and the rest of the New Testament were written up to 75, 80, 90 years after the Lord's ministry. So know this, that during this time, they did not have what you and I have in the Scriptures. And therefore, these miracles were there to authenticate that this is God, that these apostles and these apostolic men that I have sent are truly divinely sent. They were confirming the word. We have the Word. We also have the miracles that were done in the Word. So therefore, we have the full revelation, which is very important. Because many people think, oh, there's new revelation, and you got this new Word of God. No, absolutely not. The canon is closed. And so when you have these new words from God, don't fall for that. You see that in Mormonism and all the cults. You see that even today in certain streams of, of the church that say, well, I've got a word from the Lord. No, you, you don't. Not unless you're just reading it, then you do. <laughs> I have a word from the Lord. Yes, I'm reading it and and the Lord is helping me exposit and explain and preach the word of God. But I'm not receiving some scripture that I'm going to, I mean, that's not so. And so we need to be on guard for this that we have the revelation. I say that because it's important to know that, in regard to why these miracles are here. Notice that these three miracles, the three people that he's addressing right off the bat, are outcasts in Jewish society. I mean, these are the, 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 the deplorables, if you will. We have a, a leper. I mean, he can't come near you. We have a, a Gentile centurion. I mean, this is the, the enemy's officer of the military of the enemies. You know, he's an outcast. And then now we have in Jewish society uh, this mother-in-law a woman was not even brought in to the covenant community like like we see in today in how Christ has brought all people, uh, women, men, Jew and Gentile, into this one covenant, which we might, in the Jewish culture, it wasn't there. Now Jesus came to, to uh, clarify and to correct some of these things. But here, We come to this man, this leper comes to Jesus. So, a leper is somebody with leprosy. Now, we must know what, or come to understand what leprosy is. I think most of us have an idea. We don't see that walking around today's society, but we've probably read about it. Leprosy is a hopeless infirmity, it is a heinous disease that is the worst of diseases that rots away your, your muscle, your flesh, the skin. I mean, it is horrible. If you go to Leviticus 13 and 14 uh, this evening, if you want to read it in your Bible, you'll see more about uh, le- leprosy. It'll, it'll lay out everything about it and, and the rules for dealing with leprosy. In fact, the priests were involved in uh, deciding or, or determining if someone had it. And they would look at the skin lesions. They would look at things in the house. And if they deemed that that you were leprous, then there was was many stipulations that had to come from that. In the Bible, leprosy is symbolic of sin. Leprosy many times is, is a picture of sin. Many times in the Bible we see that it was a curse from God because of sin. And many people thought if you had leprosy, well, you were must be automatically cursing God. <clears throat> well, not necessarily so, but sometimes, yes. And I'll give you a few examples uh, if you want to jot these down to look at later. Numbers tw- Numbers 12. Uh, Miriam, in her rebellion against Moses, who was God's appointed servant, she tried to circumvent, and she was stricken with leprosy because of that. Um, another place in scripture second kings five elisha's servant gehazi so elisha so a man named naaman came to be healed of leprosy and elisha told him what to do to go bathe in the jordan and the man was healed and he was so over elated he wanted to you know let me pay you let me reward you and elisha said you know no and sent him away well, his servant, Gehazi, been running after him and said, oh, my servant forgot. You know, you did all you did this and that. He lied. And immediately, or he came home and, and Elisha told him that you will now have the leprosy that was on Laman because of this dishonest work that you did. David, uh, in 2 Samuel 3, he put a curse on Joab's descendants um, of leprosy. Another very famous king of Israel, King Uzziah, was struck with leprosy. 2 Chronicles 26. And what he did is he presumptively offered incense in the temple. So he's a king and he tried to do what God has said this is for the priests. So he said, well, I'll do what I want to do. And he was struck with leprosy too. Because of his sin. So leprosy is a kind of living death. It's incurable. If you if you got it, I mean there's there's rules that the priest can look at you and see if you're clean, but that like never happened. Rarely. I mean there was only a few instances in the Bible where anyone was ever cured of it. So this person is basically just waiting to die. I want you to think about this. Sin. I want you to I want to draw our attention to sin. Sin is a disease. So much like leprosy, sin is deadly. It is, it is like a cancerous growth that destroys the person. In fact, sin, and you probably can all attest to this, it, it causes a disorder of our soul and body. It's like contaminates the person. I mean, if you, if you look back at your own life, and what happens is we were made for the soul And the spirit to control our body, but it's almost now as if the body controls our soul, which is totally out of order. It's it's as if instead of a man or a woman, a person riding a horse, now the horse is riding the person. That's what happens with sin, where you dabble in it, and now all of a sudden, now it's controlling you. Sin is like this, is is it not? I mean, have, have you guys experienced, understand what sin does in the person? It sickens the whole person. In fact, the Bible says that you know, that we are made dead through sin. One is said to be dead while he liveth. Sin is fatal. It is, it is ugly. There's nothing pretty about sin. It's vile and debilitating. Can you now go back to leprosy? Do you see the vile and debilitating, how leprosy a picture of a person with just the skin falling off and the smell, the rottenness. So it's, it's a picture of sin. It's a physical illustration of the inside coming out. So it's the, the inward soul being viewed. I'll put this question to you. Think about this. What would your face, what would your skin look like? if all of the inward sin in you was demonstrated on your face. Would you look in the mirror very long and say, oh, I'm looking pretty good today? No. It would be hard to look at, would it not? I mean, I pray that you would see that. If you do think that it would look pretty good, then we probably should talk later because... Sin is heinous. This leper, imagine him coming to Jesus. I mean, here he's, he's walking dead. I mean, he's foul smelled. I'm not talking about somebody that just hadn't bathed. I'm talking about when, when a, you probably haven't <coughs> smelled this or seen this, but when a body decomposes before it's in the ground. That is what this person is like. His flesh is putrefying while he's still walking around. He has, he has no hope to recover. But if he did recover, by the amazing miracle, if he did recover, it would be like life from the death. It would be like a resurrection. This, that would be the experience of someone who was leprous coming out of it. That's what that would feel like. Raising from the grave of leprosy. In fact, say you, or say I, has, has come down, or contracted leprosy. I would go to the priest, and he would, look at my skin and he would say "Yep, yep, you need to be over in this colony over here and I say okay let me go back to my wife and give her a hug no 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 contact well let me go kiss my kids no absolutely not well let me do this let me go have one last meal absolutely not can I go worship corporately with the body no never again you're over there be gone. That's what happened to this leper. In fact, can you imagine so being, as a believer, not allowed to congregate with the, with the body? Not allowed to come sit underneath the Word. This happened in places, in many places in our nation just this last year or two. And I thank the Lord it did not happen at this Church For we would continue to preach, come what may, and I pray if something would happen to me, someone else would step up and take that position too, and if that person was taken away, another man would step up. but many in our nation felt that when churches closed their doors, it says no, you can 't come and worship here because there might be some sort of sickness out there, so many many felt like lepers, unable to come and partake of the Lord's Supper, unable to come and gather and hug one another. We continue to meet and hug and do the things that we always do. But this leper would have to go around and he would have to make it known that he was in the area. If he were to come down the street or, or come down the river and you were there, he would have to say, unclean, unclean, loud enough for you to clear out. In fact, I t- thought about doing that one. I didn't want to, draw too much panic, but in the stores when people were so fearful and being just all in a frenzy, I thought about that, unclean, unclean, and just see if I could just make my way forward and maybe get checked out faster. But I, I, I thought the better of it. In fact, we were at the hospital the other day. And so we go in and she's getting her lung biopsy and, and um, they said, well, we got to do this rapid test. And we were like, really? I mean, okay. And so... Then they came back in and wanted to do another one. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I said, if, if they come back and say that there's a you know, positive case, I was just going to go to the hospital and say, i unclean, unclean, and make a big deal of it, because they were. But anyway, that didn't happen, so I didn't need to do that. But one of these days I'm going to use that. So, but that's what they would have to do. They would have to, so people would clear out, because they were carriers of this contagion. But now see the, see the leper's face, faith. So now I've described what this person would be like. Look, look what is his faith here. In fact, in Luke's gospel, he says this person was full of leprosy. So that I means he is, he's is at the latter stages. I mean, he is, he's is a messed up person now. And here he is and he comes to Jesus. Think of that. He, he's not supposed to come near anyone. And here he comes, this outcast from society... And and coming to the Lord. And what does he do? He flings himself down. He it says he bows down. This is this is humility. He is coming in a posture of worship. Bowing down. He, he has no demands, but only pleas for mercy. Lord, he says, This notice the great faith here of the statement, and also the accurate theology. I wish more Christians had the theology this man has. Look what he says. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He has has no question of his ability, his power, and his authority to do so. He says you can make me clean, if you are willing. If it is your will, Lord, it's as if he's coming and saying, Not my will, but your will be done. If it is your will. It's if he's coming to Jesus saying, Lord, you are good. That your will is perfect. And notice he doesn't say, Lord, may I be healed. He doesn't say that. He says, Lord, you can cleanse me. He says, you can make me clean. Why doesn't he say you can heal me? He says you can make me clean. That's interesting. Because other diseases you get healed from, but leprosy you need to be cleansed from. goes back to sin. That inwardness that we need to be cleansed from this sin. Washed. And look at Jesus' answer. Jesus hears this humble man. He, he hears the humble you who are humble, He gives grace to the humble. But He resists the proud. You come to Him with your pride, He will not answer. God is with the lowly and contrite of heart. Notice what He does. Think about this picture. Picture in your mind this, this wretched person, skin falling off as He's coming to Jesus, and Jesus stretches out His hand and touches him. This man had no touch with anybody. We, as men and women made the of God, we need a touch. Uh, I shook many of your hands this morning. Uh, wives, your husband needs your touch. Husbands, your wives need the touch. Children need the, the touch and a hug and the caressness. This man hadn't had any of this. And here Jesus reaches out to this contagious man and touches him. Normally the contagion would spread to the one that touched him. But Jesus, no. He is without sin. He doesn't, take a, doesn't transfer to him. But he cleanses this leper. And Jesus answers and he says this. I am willing. Be cleansed. He actually says two words in the Greek. I will, which is one word. Be clean, which is another word. I will be clean. His word is what does it. He reaches out. It's his word of power and authority and the great compassion. I mean, he didn't have to heal this man. There was no must to it. But he said, I will. He came to this sin-sick soul. And notice the the physical cleansing. The physical cleansing of being cleansed represents and points to the spiritual cleansing that he and you and I most need. And notice it says, look what it says. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Immediately, like right on the spot. Like, no getting cleansed and you'll get better later. Like, no, like, well, this will heal up over time and then next week you'll get a little better. And, and then, you know, no, Immediately. I had a shoulder surgery a year ago. And it is continuing to heal. I'm getting better and better. This man, there's no continuing. It was done. Healed like you are, now you're whole. This is amazing. This is not some gradual thing. This is a miracle of miracles. No, no, no getting better, but be healed. And notice what he Well, before I get to Jesus' follow-up command, I want you to know this, to realize this, that every one of us, every one that you meet, is plagued with the leprosy of sin. We have the virus of viruses. We have this sinful depravity that was given us by Adam. When he caused this fall, when sin came into the world, and so every man, woman, and child needs the cleansing of the Lord. Just as this leper did. And what does he say? Notice what he says. He says, Go, or see to you see to that, excuse me, see that you tell no one. Why does he do this? I mean, I thought we were supposed to go tell everybody about Jesus. Well, it wasn't the time yet. He says, Go, show yourself to the priests, and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. You can go back and look in Leviticus 13 and 14 and see this. But why does he tell him this? Have you ever thought about why? He told a lot of people this. Don't tell anybody. It's interesting that most of them could not do what the Lord asked. They, they had to. In fact, Mark tells us that he went and told a bunch of people after, Luke, after Jesus told him not to. Why is it so hard for us Christians and new believers to go tell people about the Lord? When Jesus tells us to. I mean, these people that He healed, that He saved, He told them not to and they went and told everybody. They just, it just had to come out. In fact, if you are truly saved, it has to come out. You must go tell. In fact, the, the new believer should be a red hot coal that just, let me tell you, let me tell you, I mean, it should be going and spreading. And that's what this person did. But there again, let's get back to why He said this. Well, first of all, I'll give you three reasons. It was to fulfill. Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. So at this time, before he had gone to the cross, still under the sacrificial system, and he is abiding by God's law. Secondly, his main mission was not just to go be a miracle worker look at him, look at the amazing things he can do. No, that's not what he was about. Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. He came for our lost and dead souls. He didn't come just to be a miracle worker. And thirdly, <coughs> his time was not yet come. If he had gone, if the if, news was going to spread anyway, but if it hadn't spread too early, it, you know, potentially, the I mean, you know, Lord's providence it couldn't have, but they would have wanted to make him king earlier. We look at um, John 6. And when John, when he had fed the 5,000, they were wanting to come grab him and fortunately make him king. Because look, he can do all this stuff. He's an amazing miracle worker. And he had to correct them. And he said, you come to me because of, this, of what I've given you. Because I fed your bellies. And that's not what he came for. He says, I, I come to give you life. Not, not not, this temporal life, but eternal life. As we think about this leprous man receiving the cleansing that all of us need, we turn to the next miracle, the second miracle that we're going to look at this morning. Peter's wife, mother. Yes, Peter had a wife. The apostle Peter most assuredly had a wife. Now, it's not even worthwhile to go even try to plug all the holes of Roman Catholicism, but it's like a cheesecloth with holes all over it, but Peter was a married man Um, here we come in and we see his mother-in-law, and she's lying sick at Peter's home and she's in bed with a fever, Luke says it was a high fever, Luke, the doctor, said this was a, a, a fever unto death, here here we see Jesus comes in and He saw the mother-in-law. Nothing was said. Nothing was asked. He said He touched her hand. And the, and the fever left her. The fever left her and she got up and waited on Him. Notice, have you ever looked at this, these two verses and just said, they just seem so like just stuck in there, like Oh, God, he came in the house. there she was, He healed her. It. it was. It's, it's almost like unremarkable. It, it, it's it's almost like it's a matter of fact. Oh yeah. By the way, here this poor woman is dying of you know this high fever, and Jesus comes in and touches her, and this just pops up and goes to goes to work, goes to serve him. But I I want to tell you that this gives more proof. People question, might question the validity of the scriptures. Like, are they authenticated? Are they, is this, how do we know this is the truth? Why would he put this in here like this? If, if it was not the truth, it wouldn't be embellished. It would be all kind of, well, this happened, this happened. He just didn't know. He came in there and touched her and healed her. She so got up. It worked. I mean, do you see do you see that? Like, it authenticates the gospel that he put this, this matter of fact in here like anyway that, I don't know if that helps you or not but notice next that what happens after the fever left her the fever immediately left her by the way now you we've all I'm sure all of us even the little kids in here have had a fever and we've been sick and we've been bedridden what happens after you're your well well you, you take days right you have days of weakness, of, of gradually eating more, of trying to get better. You don't just pop up. I mean, how many of you have popped up after 105 fever is gone, then all of a sudden you pop up, go to work? No. It, 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 what, I think Ben told me something about if you're down for a day, it takes three days to get stronger or something like that. Well, it didn't for this lady because Jesus touched her. Boom! Out of bed. Serving the Lord. This is, I mean, don't miss this. Notice first that the Lord ministers to this mother-in-law, to Peter's wife's mother. He ministers first. He comes and heals her. Then she ministers to Christ. This is the pattern for you and I. When he comes and heals us and saves us, immediately we should be about the Lord's work, about Christ's work. It should be you serve Christ wherever you are. Now, don't think that immediately after you're saved, you know, you need to come up here and preach a message or something. It's not. You do what God has allowed you to do, what He's gifted you for, at the time He's gifted you. Look at what she does. I mean, what better work? Here, the Lord has just preached on the Sermon on the Mount. He must be drained. I would be. He's just done all these miraculous healings and she feeds him. She feeds the Lord who has been feeding you and I through the Word. She gets up and she serves Him. But listen, you must first be healed by the Lord before you can serve the Lord. Don't think that we can get that out of order and and think we can serve Him before and then come to faith. No, faith must come first. You must come to repentance and faith And then immediately, yes, serve the Lord. In fact, if you're not serving in the church, find a place that you can. Find a place that God has gifted you. Serve wherever you can. Find out where He's gifted you by serving. And then what happens? Look at verse 16. As we come to the end. Now when evening came. Okay, this this right here tells us this is most likely right after the Sabbath. Because when evening came, Now they bring many. So the Sabbath is just completed. They brought to Him, to Christ, many who were demon-possessed. And He cast out the spirits with a word. All He said was a word and cast out the spirits. Depart. Whatever He might have said, this shows His power and authority and also compassion over these poor people that had been possessed. And notice next, He says He healed all who were ill. All of them. You realize. It wasn't like some of these. Um, wasn't like some of these actors. That you see today. That are doing these, these faith healings. Where there is a, a big line of people. And you know, they send part of them away. Because they can't be healed. But he, you know, they try to do something with the others. And then if they are not healed. They say well your faith wasn't enough. Jesus didn't do that. He healed all of them. Every one of them. Without exception. That does not happen. Does not happen in our our world today. But it happened in the ministry of Christ. It happened in the ministry of the apostles. Why? To authenticate. The divine ministry is why it happened then. It, It came to show the identity of the Messiah. In fact it's going to say in verse 17. To fulfill scripture. To fulfill what Isaiah the prophet said, to identify the Messiah. There is no identity theft here, brothers and sisters. This is He who was spoken of long ago. Spoken of long ago. Mind you, Isaiah was written 700 years before the ministry of Christ, before the incarnation. I need to speak about this fulfillment of prophecy in Isaiah. And it's very important that you hear me out on this. This verse, Isaiah 53, 5, that is used here in chapter 8 and verse 17 of Matthew is terribly abused by many today. Terribly. I want you to hear me because you're going to need to hear this. You're going to encounter this somewhere, sometime. The charismatic movement and the Pentecostalist preachers of of this last century. I say that because it never happened before this last century. This is a new thing. And what they've done is they've bastardized and tortured this text. I'm going to explain it the best I can. But they've taken the true meaning of the Word of God and they've made it something else. You need to hear this because you have friends that are in churches like this. You probably have family that are in churches like this and you you might encounter this vein of false teaching that is so prevalent in our day. In certain areas, it's even more prevalent. In every town in America, in South America, it's it's been running rampant. I hear of in Africa it's been running rampant. The same time that that true preaching and true reform doctrine is being taught and, and, and held on to, you have this other vein of this False teaching is happening. There's at least two churches in our own town, probably more. Okay? So it sickens me to hear this, but I, I must tell you, because you must know this. Isaiah 53, in fact, if you want to go ahead and turn there, Isaiah 53, turn in your Bibles, is a glorious chapter of God's Word. It is absolutely beautiful. It, this, this chapter describes our Savior and His coming work of redemption. Remember, 700 years prior. And this is what's going to happen when Jesus comes, or when He he already has come. So turn with me there. In fact, pick up on uh, chapter, so Isaiah 53, and look back to uh, Isaiah, excuse me, look at chapter 52, and verse 13. Because this this really should be together with a, with chapter 53. This is the, one of the servant songs of Isaiah. Uh, this is the fourth servant song. So hear this work. When you, when, you when you hear me read this, you tell me what this is about. Because to me it's crystal clear if you're a Christian. Here it is, verse 13 of chapter 52. Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up And greatly exalted. Just as many were astonished at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Thus he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him. For what has not been told them, they will see, and what they had not heard, they will understand. Chapter 53. Verse 1, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For He grew up before Him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon Him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to Him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. The chastising for our well-being fell upon him. Or other translations say, by His stripes we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned His own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Him. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet He did not open His mouth. Like a lamb that is led, that is led to slaughter, like, sheep, like a sheep that is silent before its shears, so He did not open His mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. His grave was assigned with wicked men. Yet he was with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence. Nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him. Putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, we will see his offspring. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, and he will bear their iniquities, that is, their sins. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, And he will divide the booty with the strong. Because he poured out himself to death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sins of many. And interceded for the transgressors. Wow. Who is described here? What is described here? This is the Lord Jesus. This is Justification by his work upon the cross. This is the gospel in the, in the Old Testament. It is clear as day if you are a Christian. But the Pentecostals and the charismatics, they nearly every week will state this scripture We are, by his stripes, we are healed. And they put it to physical sickness. They take this verse. Strip it out of the context and apply it to when you and I are down with a flu. Or when we have cancer. But can you tell me, Christian, what is said in Isaiah 53? Is that what that's about? Heavens, no. It's not at all about that. I think you see that by just by reading it. I I don't have to exposit the text for you to see that that's not what it's about. False teachers... What they do is they claim, you'll hear this, they'll claim physical healing in the atonement. That's a little phrase they'll use. Okay, I want you to be aware of this because of the danger. I want to read D.A. Carson, what D.A. Carson said about physical and spiritual healing. So hear what D.A. Carson said. This, This is good. All blessings and all benefits That God's saved children experience come through the atoning work of Christ. Here's a question. Are there times when God heals his children in the temporal sense? Yes. Of course. But what is purchased for us in the cross is not temporal healing. But ultimate healing of the body. It is about the resurrection and about the glorification of the body that will come when Christ returns. Physical healing is not the main focus of the text in Isaiah 53 or even the central topic of redemption, even central to redemption. Listen to this you don't need to experience physical healing to be saved. I'll say that again. You do not need to experience physical healing to be saved. Now, you may experience it, but you don't need that to be saved. We cannot and should not demand temporal healing as if it were our right to do so because of the atonement. Still, we do pray for physical healing. That's not wrong. James 4 says, when you are sick, call for the elders of the church and have them pray over you, anoint you with oil. So yes, we are to pray for that if it be your will. Do you remember what the lepers said? If it be your will, you are able. But sometimes it may not be. I mean, think about numerous places in scripture. Uh, I'll, I'll just throw a few out. Uh, Paul told Timothy, uh, drink a little bit of wine for your infirmities. Sickness. He didn't say go to the atonement and be healed. He said you're going to have some sicknesses. Uh, uh, no, Epaphroditus in uh, Philippians 3 had come down sick and couldn't go. And there was a sickness, and infirmity. This is a Christian. This is a preacher. Um, who else might we go to? Um, uh, Paul uh, prayed three times for the thorn to be removed from his side. It was some sort of ailment. And Jesus answered him, not by taking the thorn away, but what does he say? My grace is sufficient for you. Oh, has that verse helped me? My grace is sufficient for you. Sometimes physical ailments and sicknesses are used to sanctify us in our walk. I love where David said, Lord, it was good that I was afflicted. (laughs) An unbeliever would say, are you crazy? It's good you're afflicted? David said, yes, because it made me call upon you, Lord. It made me run to the arms of Jesus. It was good that I was afflicted many times in my own life. In the life of many of the saints, God has used these things to prune us, to take things away, and to add His Word to us, to to grow us. Another theologian said this. He said, Speaking of healing, he says, talk about a far greater healing than God helping you get over the latest virus or whooping cough. He said, sickness won't send you to hell, but your sins will. Deal with the spiritual sin is what he's saying. This false theology this charismatic teaching, claiming the healing and the atonement, is not only false teaching, but it will lead many unsuspecting Christians into total despair and frustration. Because it's contrary to God's Word. And so they lean on a, you know The guy up there, the talker, the, I hate to him preacher, said this, and so I'm you know, doing this, and it didn't work. Of course it didn't work. It's not what the Word says. It's heretical teaching. And it twists Scripture. It twists it. it. For their own carnal means. And so, may the Lord use us. We, we know people that are in this. May we try to draw them out. Tell them the truth. In love. It, it, it hurts to hear this because they've been under it. But they need to get out of this. They need to flee from this type of teaching. It's, it's destructive. Listen, believer unless the Lord returns first everyone who's alive today will die okay I've heard charismatic teachers say this too that God doesn't will anyone to die really well no they twisted we die because of sin the wages of sin is death but the gift of eternal life is in Jesus Christ and when we turn to Him, we will live eternally. And our bodies will be resurrected. But you will more than likely die unless Christ comes back. And a vast majority of those who do die, Christians included, will die of sicknesses and illnesses. So that disclaims the false teacher. I'm saying this because this is the, this is the, this is the truth. Sin, sickness, and death are results of the fall. It's the results of, of sin. Jesus came to reverse the curse he came to deal with the, the, the problem of sin by dying upon the cross and he comes to, to grant forgiveness today and right now when one turns to faith in Christ the sins are immediately forgiven but you still live in this body of flesh you still will deal with infirmities you still will deal with, with death of your body and this earth I mean this earth is is, is has been Corrupted by sin. We live in a fallen world. Uh, we were driving the other day up by Delta, up north of Delta, and I was looking at the ground and it was just horrid. It looked like the moon. It was I was like, what happened here? It was just just dead. And then every once a you see a patch like that rug over there of beautiful grass, and then just dead. And that's our, that's our world. Thorns. Thorns and, and brist and thistles because of sin. When Christ returns, He's going to deal with the earth. He's going to He's going to cleanse it. He's going to deal with your body, this race. It will be cleansed. It will be glorified. There will be no trace of coughing. There will be no trace of sin in your body. None, like no wrinkle. Praise the Lord. No scars. The, no scars on the ground. No 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 bloodstains out there. It will be cleansed and perfect. You say, I don't understand. I don't either, because I've never seen that. But that's what the Bible says. That the bodies will be raised perfect, like our Lord Jesus Christ, without a stain of sin. No remembrance of it. You can't even remember sin. It won't even be a thought. You and I have to deal with thoughts of sin now. That will be no more. Praise the Lord. That's what's coming. One day when he returns. But not now. Not now. Don't confuse those things. When he comes, the second time, the final time, he will deal with our bodies, this earth, everything will be made right. We always think things are not right. Even unbelievers think things are not right. You're right, they're not right. But God, Christ is coming to rectify, to reverse what our ancestor, Adam and Eve, came about so Christian as we close be less preoccupied with the physical condition that you may be in be more concerned with the health of your soul and your spirit your walk with the Lord your never dying soul needs to be attended to and strengthened and I'm glad you're here this morning because I pray that you are being strengthened by the word by being with other believers But even while our souls are being strengthened, the physical body is decaying before my eyes. Some of us are decaying quicker than others. Our physical body is going away. Now, the little ones, the young ones, they're not decaying yet, but they'll come to a time when they'll start to decay too. But the sinless Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, He came to take away the sin of the world. He came... Not only to heal. I mean, He is the one that heals your soul. That's what we need. He, Isaiah 53 said He was smitten by God. He was pierced for me. For my sins, He took the nails. He came to save the hell-bound man and the hell-bound woman. That's what Jesus came. So stay with me. As we close, the disease of sin is infinitely worse than leprosy, than a soaring fever, than paralyzation, or any ailment that you are currently or will ever experience. The disease of sin is far worse. Our great healer of our soul and our glorified body is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus' power, His authority, and His compassion are all seen here, manifested in both His preaching and His miraculous acts. They confirm the Messiah. This is He. There is no other. God is revealing Himself in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ, fulfilling the Scriptures, mind you. He is healing the sick. Fulfilling the Scriptures literally when He came in His ministry, healing the sick on the spot right now and teaching and preaching the great gospel of the kingdom of God working out his plan of redemption planned before the foundation of the whole world this is he this is the savior our great healer come bow down before this lord as this leper did we are all lepers just like him if what was shown on the inside was on our outside, we would look just like Him. Trust in Jesus Christ for the cleansing. He is able. and He is willing. Secondly, Jesus grants forgiveness. Cleansing from sin. Restoration. Restoration to the lepers, you and I. Restoration of the soul and body. He came for wholeness. True cleansing is wholeness. Sin, we... I mean, Soul and body. And that's what he's come to do. That's what he will do. When they are one day united. When your never dying soul. Will be reunited. With your dying decayed body. They will be glorified and resurrected. That's coming. Thirdly. And lastly. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Everything you read in the Old Testament. Points to Christ. All the prophecies. And know this. That just as. He fulfilled all of them. He will fulfill the last one. Because he says that I'm coming again. I'm coming again he says. Glory to God. Lord. Come quickly. And all his people. Say. Amen. Again. There's more people in here than that. All his people. Say. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Jesus, our great healer, the restorer of our soul. Oh, how wonderful the works of you and the person of you are. Even through all the heretical and false teaching that we see in our day, Lord, let us not lose focus of the, immensity of the, mirac- of the miracles that you performed on the spot, proving your Messiahship, proving God is here, God with us, Emmanuel, in the preaching of your Son, power in the Gospel. Lord, may it transform each and every soul here today. Lord, I pray for your restorative work upon sin-sick souls. Each of us carry around this body of sin. But you have come to cleanse us of this, to take away the power of sin, the guilt and the, and the penalty of sin, Lord, by nailing it to the cross. You put all of our sins upon the Lord Jesus Christ in Isaiah 53 that He was stricken for our transgressions, for our sins, for all we like sheep have gone astray. Thank you, Lord, that you are bringing your sheep to yourself, to your fold. You are the gate. You are the great shepherd. Lord, if there's one today that may be convicted of their sin and, Lord, needing the cleansing of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would run to you. Father, that they would seek you with all their heart. That they would desire the cleansing that the same leper desired. That you would give them the grace to come to you. For us that have been cleansed. May we be like the mother of Peter's wife and immediately go serving him, serving in the kingdom, spreading the gospel. Even like the disobedient leper going and telling everyone, let me tell you about the Savior. Make us bold to do so. I pray for an awakening in our land. I pray for your will to be done, for your kingdom to come. It's in the name, the precious, beautiful name of Jesus Christ that we ask all of these things and for his glory. Amen.